last hour or last uh, preaching service, we uh, dealt with <clears throat> the topic of how our prayers um, and the free will of man, uh, how to reconcile those things. When we pray for someone uh, and we pray in a wrong manner, in a wrong way, oftentimes we think, well, God didn't answer our prayer. And the reason is because we've, we've gone and asked God to do something that is outside of His character. And that is to impose His will upon the free will of man. And what we need to be praying for is that the Holy Spirit will continue to work on the heart of that person. And uh, when we pray and say, Lord, change that person, or Lord, help that person to be this way, then we're asking Him to infringe upon the free will of man. And, of course, God will never go against His own nature. Uh, and so, in some cases, we're praying for God to do something that would be contrary to who He is. And uh, the importance of praying rightly. When it comes to praying for folks, whether it be for their salvation, or maybe they are saved but not living right, uh, the importance of praying appropriately and rightly, and then importunately and praying without ceasing and continuing to pray for them, and the importance of that. And we dealt a little bit with that last uh, preaching service. We want to deal with a little bit of a different topic uh, on the subject of prayer this afternoon. And uh, we're going to begin reading, if you will, in verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing... I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace <coughs> is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And uh, the thing I want to deal with this afternoon is, uh, what do we do when God says no? What do we do when God says no? How do we handle this? We come to Him in prayer. We pray by faith, believing. And we pray what seems to be a good thing and within the will of God. And yet we get to the end of the praying and God says, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but uh, both the lesson that we taught in the 11 o'clock hour and the one we're going to teach this afternoon, if we are not careful as God's people will cause us to become bitter at God. It will cause us to be upset with Him and to lose faith in Him. Uh, and if we're not understanding some of the truth of Scripture uh, will cause our faith to become wavering in the area of prayer. The Bible teaches us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and that uh, we're to have pray a prayer of faith, and that without faith it is impossible to please God. And so anytime we come to God in prayer, it ought to be done with faith, not just believing that God's able to do it, but expecting for Him to do it. And uh, I think that Paul was in no... no uh, uh, different situation here than the fact that he prayed. He believed it to be something that would be helpful to his ministry, to not be hindered with the messenger of Satan. And we don't know what this messenger of Satan was. Some people believe that it was a physical malady. Some people believe that it was some kind of uh, person that was uh, persecuting him and giving him a difficult time. There were a lot of 
sub, uh, subjective thoughts on what this thorn of the flesh is, the end of the fact of the matter is God doesn't choose to tell us in Scripture what it was. What we do know is it was something that was, uh, that was given to uh, buffet him and uh, that, that Paul had prayed for it. Not only had he prayed for it, but he had prayed for it three different times on three different occasions. Could you imagine how frustrating it would be to come to God praying what you expect to be a right kind of prayer in the right kind of way and praying in faith and be told no? And then to pray again for the same thing in the right way with the right kind of faith and be told no. And then to come a third time to God and to pray in the right way with the right kind of faith and be told no. I know we read this thing because it didn't happen to us. We don't tend to to put ourselves in Paul's place and understand what he must have been feeling at the time. But I wonder how many of us in a similar situation, having prayed and prayed rightly and prayed with faith, and being told no three different times, how much we would be frustrated at God, perhaps even disappointed or angry at God. And unless we, unless we uh, get to the place where we say, Oh, Brother Greg, I would never be frustrated or angry at God. What was the last thing that caused us to get upset or frustrated at God? Probably a lot less than this. But to pray and to hear God say no, what, what do we do? How do we respond to that? I love Paul's response here. I think it's a wonderful approach to things. The Bible says that God told him in verse number 9, notice this, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now here's, here's Paul's response. Are you ready? Uh, we would think it to be bitterness, disappointment, sadness, upset. But notice what he says here. Most what? Gladly. Paul was glad for the no. What? He was glad for the no. How in the world can somebody be glad for the no? Because Paul recognized and understood two things. I want us to understand this this afternoon. That the Bible teaches us that God is always good. And He is always right. What God does in our life, when He does it, will always be for His glory, and it will always be for our good, every single time. It's amazing to me as we look into this uh, passage, the response of the Apostle Paul. I I could understand maybe not being uh, disappointed or upset or sad, but certainly not to be glad. I mean, why are, are, are any of us glad when we're told no? When we turn 18 and as we grow in years and as we mature and as we get gray-headed, we like to think of ourselves as uh, the mature, solid adult. We put away the childish things. It's amazing to me how childish we as adults are, isn't it? We we like to kick and scream and and kick our feet at the, the Lord spiritually speaking and get upset at Him. Lord, why didn't You give me what I wanted? I prayed and prayed. It's the right thing. And... You didn't answer my prayer. We began to get upset at God. Notice what Paul says here, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Why? Because he understood something. He said this, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. That's God doing it for Paul's good. He says two different times in here, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul understood and knew that with all the blessings that God had placed upon his ministry, it would be very tempting, very easy for the flesh of Paul to exalt himself and say, Boy, look at what I have accomplished. 
Look at these churches that are being planted. Look at the people that are being saved. Look at all these revivals that are breaking out. And by the way, it's amazing to me as we look around at the working that God does in the lives of some preachers in the day and age that we live, how quickly it seems to go to our human heads. And we begin to take pride in the work that we didn't accomplish, but God did it through us. But we begin to take the credit for it. Well, Paul understood this. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure. He says, I would rather see the power of God resting upon me than to have the thorn of the flesh taken away from me. He understood that what God was doing in his life was for his good, was for Paul's good. I want you to notice that here it says in verse number 10, or uh, verse number, uh, uh, sorry, verse number 9, Most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of God, uh, Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Notice he says this, For when I am weak, then am I strong. The idea of doing it for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, being able to bring glory to God that through my weakness, God is able to bring strength through me. God is able to use me in a very unique way. We find that there are two truths that Paul needed to come to an understanding of, and that is that God is always good and God is always right. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Job, chapter number 1. Job, chapter number 1. What do we do when God tells us no? Do we rejoice in it? Do we gladly take it and say, I'm, I'm going to glory in this because I understand that it's God working His will and His way through me? Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I've got this, this burden, this need, and God has said no to it. Maybe there's something that's far greater than what we understand that's being accomplished in us. And while we understand it, or while we may not understand it, is not even the point. The point is, do we trust Him to always be good in the, in the issue, and do we trust Him to always be right in the issue? I was talking to somebody just this week. They were asking why good things, bad things happen to good people. We had that discussion and talking about it. And I told them, I said, look, I don't always understand everything God does. I said, I do believe that a lot of what goes on today and the bad things that happen to good people are the result of sin, not what God is doing. But I said, I don't claim to understand all of it. But I said, what I do understand causes me to trust Him that He's always right. That is always in the right, doing it for our good and for His glory. Look with me in Job chapter number one, and let's begin in verse number one. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright. Now the word "perfect" here is not speaking of the fact that he was sinless, but dealing with the fact that he was mature in the areas of the things spiritually speaking. He was a man that walked uprightly with God, and one notice it says one that feared God and. This is a word, an old English word that we don't use uh, anymore, but uh, the word is skewed evil. And it means to have such a hatred that we avoid it at all costs. To have such a disdain for it. Uh, there are times that we look at sin and we say, oh, sin is terrible, sin is awful, and then we go right along and do it. But an eschewing, the word eschewing here has an idea of having such a hatred and such a, a, a dismal look and view of this thing that it causes us to avoid it at any cost, 
to see sin coming and the temptations coming and to avoid it and get away from it. This is the kind of man that Job <coughs> that Job was. In verse number 2, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, <coughs> five hundred she-asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest, notice this, of all men of the East, this is a pretty well-prospered man, wouldn't you say so? If we look at Job's life in, in these verses, we would have to say that God's blessing was upon this man. I believe no doubt because of the fact that he was an upright man, one who feared God and eschewed evil, because that's what God characterized him as. And it was so, verse number 5, when the days of their fasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them, and the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, and a perfect, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, <coughs> Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, <coughs> And the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escape alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone am escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. I want to stop there for a moment. And I want you to I want you to understand this that there are times that God brings sorrow into our lives. There are times that God allows sorrow to come into our lives. And it is not wrong for you and I to grieve. It is not. I don't want to get the idea today that for us to grieve during times of sorrow is something that is not right for us as Christians. What I am saying is this, that we ought not grieve as those which have no hope. Because we have a God in heaven that we trust is always doing things for our good and always doing things for His glory. And he is always good. He's always right. 
And he does something here with Job. And you say, well, how in the world is this good? How, how does this make any sense at all that this is good? Because the Bible tells us that when we are tried, we shall come forth as gold. And Job is this kind of man that he, he wanted to prove him. He wanted to make sure of his faith. Notice what it says here in verse number 21. Or, uh, he wanted to display his faith. Or verse number 20. He says that he fell down upon the ground with all... You know, he shaved his head. He rent his mantle. He fell down upon the ground. Notice this. And worshipped. Sounds kind of like the response Paul had, doesn't it? Didn't understand it. There was some grief there. Certainly was some hardship. But he worshipped. Notice what he says here in verse 21. I think one of the great verses of Scripture. He says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What do we do when God says no to our prayers? We recognize that He's always good and that He's always right. And whether we are in sorrow or not, we're to rejoice in the fact that God has had His will. I don't always understand the things that happen, but I can always trust that God is in control. There are a couple things I want us to understand from the story of Job. I'm not going to take time to read the entire book. But a couple things I want us to understand. Just because he had great faith did not mean that he didn't have questions. It's not wrong to ask God, Lord, why? Because sometimes there's a lesson he wants us to learn. Sometimes there's some faith that he wants to prove. Job, for two chapters here, has great faith. But then for the next 35 chapters, he asks an awful lot of questions. And I don't want us to get this idea that if we're super spiritual, we'll never have a question. That's not the point. The point is that we always ought to be trusting God. The questions may be there, and I may not fully understand, but I can always trust Him. I can always trust that He has the answer. Job asked God a couple of questions, and God answers his question with a bunch of questions. you ever have somebody do that to you? God came to Job, and he said, Job, where wast thou when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I created all these things? And he goes through an entire list of things. Where wast thou? Where wast thou? And what he was trying to teach Job is, Job, I am the God of all heaven and all earth. And you think I don't have everything in control? I have the answer to it all. I knew before it ever even happened what the outcome was going to be. Job, I'm not asking you to understand, but I am asking you to trust me. What do we do when God says no? Can I help you with this? He doesn't expect us necessarily to understand, but He does expect us to trust Him. There's a couple of things that I think in the midst of all of this, even though we have faith and we trust God, we may not have any logical reason that we can explain why this is happening to us. But there's two things that I know that it will do. Number one, it will be a constant reminder to us that God is in control. 
when we trust Him regardless. We ask and He says no. We ask again and He says no. We ask again and He says no. Regardless of what His answer is, we can learn, I'm going to trust God because He is in control. Somebody said years ago, has it ever occurred to you nothing ever occurred to God? Not one thing. God already knows the end from the beginning. It's interesting. You know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He already knew the redemptive plan that was going to need to be in place for sinful man before He ever even created. That's the kind of God we have. Can I tell you this? We may not understand with our finite minds, but I promise you this, I promise you this on the authority of God's Word, you and I can always, always, always for the rest of eternity trust Him because He is in control. He is in control. The second thing that I learned from all of this, from Paul's example and from Job's lessons that he teaches in his book of patience, the second thing I find is that when we respond appropriately, it brings us closer to God. When we respond appropriately, it brings us closer to God. Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities. He said, I'll rejoice and I'll, I'll gladly take them so the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want that closeness. I want that fellowship. Job, Job, in all of these things, he said, uh, the Lord hath taken and the Lord, or the Lord gave, uh, gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And notice it says in verse number 22, in all of this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. God restores at the end of Job all of the things that He took from him. Double, in, in many cases, double the, the number of things that He had materially. He learned that if He would respond appropriately, it would make His relationship with God even closer. There are times that God will say no. We can sit here today and give reasons why He could. It may be to test our faith. And I believe there are times that's the case. It could be to get our attention and to help us to draw closer to Him. Maybe we've grown stagnant in our Christian lives. And I believe that there are times that there are, that is the case. But what I want you to get from this afternoon is this. We don't have to know why. We could take all of the afternoon and go to things in Scripture and say, here's a possible reason why. And here's a possible reason why. And all of them are possibilities. But the lesson I want us to learn this afternoon with regards to praying and God saying no is this. We don't have to know the why. But we do need to trust Him. And if we will remember these two things, it will help us. God is always good. And God is always right. There's no doubt about it. First time I ever heard that phrase or that statement, I was sitting in a youth camp, a youth conference. There's an evangelist there by the name of John Bishop. Some of you may know who he is. But in a number of years ago, he had a physical malady that caused him to go into a coma for a while. When he came out of it, he didn't remember anything. He couldn't walk. He couldn't eat. He was like an infant, like a little baby. He had to be taught how to talk again. 
He taught, had to be taught how to eat and how to, as, uh, how to walk. He, he didn't know who his wife was. And he began to work and to labor and to uh, uh, go through therapy. And he lived with excruciating pain. would get these tremendous migraine headaches. He was prescribed an injection of morphine that he kept on him at all times because the pain would become so excruciating that he would often black out from it and they would have to give him injections to get rid of the pain. And as he got out of, out of uh, uh, some of the urgence, urgency of the situation and came out of the intensive care of it and began to go through the therapy and relearning and regrowing some things, one thing he knew is he had never lost his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had always had a love for Him. And when he was told by his children and his wife all of the history and all the things, and they showed him pictures and all these things that he couldn't remember that were now lost to him, he got frustrated, and there was a, very, a lot of depression and things that came on his life until one day he said, I came to a realization, he said, that God is always good. God is always right. And we watched him that year as he got up, and he could very, uh, was very careful how he walked. He could, he could walk, but he uh, kind of walked funny-like and, and struggled with walking. And when he talked, he talked with broken English because he struggled with his speech still. He lived in constant pain. In fact, one of the afternoons, shortly after he got done preaching, they had to take him to a back room and lay him down because of the pain he was in. And he travels the country still, going around telling people, I don't know why, but God is always good, and God is always right. I was encouraged by him throughout the years that there are times in my life that I've gone through some very dark times. Times that I wish no one would ever have to go through. Times I don't understand. Things I don't understand. But one thing I know is I can look to Him and say, Lord, I know that You're good. And I know that You're right. And the things that have transpired, whether they were Your will or not, are brought about to show Your goodness to me and to show that You're always right. In times like this, we have two responses. We can get bitter and angry, upset at God, and run from Him. Or we can run to Him and cling to Him as our only source of strength. What do we do when God says no? Not just no, but no and no and no. And time and again as we come to Him and say, Lord, will You please take this from me? He says, no. I don't understand, Lord. And His lesson to us is this. You don't need to. You just need to understand that I'm in control. And I'm always good. And I'm always right. What do we do when we pray and God says no. I hope we can worship Him. I hope we can rejoice in Him. I was telling my son the other day, I look back in my life, some of the things that have happened in my life, I would, I would never want to ever happen. I would have never thought would have ever happened. I lost the church that I loved so much and grew up in. I lost the home that I had. Lost a lot of my family members. Lost my own family. 
And I found myself with a $500 pickup truck and all the things I had owned in this world I could load into the back seat of that truck. And I prayed one night and said, Lord, how in the world did I get here? I'll be honest with you, to this day I don't know. I don't know how and I don't know why. But I know this. There was a day that I had to make a choice, a day I had to make a decision. And I can point to the moment where the temptation was, I'm just going to walk away and leave it all. I'm done. As soon as that thought came into my mind, I said, Lord, how can I? I won't survive this. I won't. If I have to walk away from you right now, there's no, I won't have the strength. And I look back. I told my son the other night, we were, we were talking, and I said, I've never had such joy in my life. I've never had such peace in my life. Knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do. He's been so good. He's been so blessing, so many blessings in my life. I, I, I tell folks, and I, sometimes I start talking about uh, how good God is. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, we like when you start talking about how good God is because you get so animated about it. But the truth is, He's been so good. I didn't always understand it. I still don't understand a lot of it. But I know that I can trust Him. He's proven Himself faithful time and time and time again. What do we do when He says, when he says no? Well, we have a choice that we can do. We can either run from Him or we can cling to Him. I hope that we can always understand God is always good and God is always right. And I hope that will help us because there will come times that we'll pray for something and we'll pray again. And we'll pray again. We may even fast and may even be fervent. And God may say, no, no. And that's okay. We just trust Him, all right? So let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, some unusual lessons on prayer, things that maybe we don't look at normally when we talk about praying. We love to talk about the faith part of praying, praying with faith and expectation and Lord, it's a lot more enjoyable to hear those messages. To know that we have a God that hears and answers prayers is 